You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. From Shakespeare to Schwartz, from Fosse to Alvin Ailey, from Sondheim to Borellis, from McNally to Fay, it happened to the greats, it still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. When lightning strikes, where you're meant to go, you can stand and shout your And welcome to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about when your proverbial light bulb goes off, the heavens open, the seas part, the wondrous, heart-thumping, tingly, glorious, mic drop moment when you discovered you had to be an artist. My guest today is Jonathan Mark Sherman. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm going to give some backstory on you, which Great. I think is so cool. So at 18, you wrote a play called Women in Wallace. You submitted it to the Young Playwrights Festival. And James Lapine directed a reading of it. It went on to be done at the festival, directed by Don Scardillo, another legend. It was picked up by PBS TV's American Playhouse. I mean, at this point, you're a teenager with a, a, a cast that included Josh Hamilton, Deborah Monk, Cynthia Nixon. You've been writing ever since. You're a playwright, you're a screenwriter, you're an actor, and most recently, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, you wrote the book for Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice, uh, Music and Lyrics by Duncan Sheik for the new group. And, um, and here we are now. And most recently you did these gorgeous pieces of play, uh, the conversationalist for 24 hour plays, viral monologues, and also wrote the musical for 24 hour plays, uh, fear of frying. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. And, uh, how are you handling this moment in our, uh, right now, how are you dealing with? Oh, I'm counting my blessings um, as, as, you know, or reminding myself that I should be counting my blessings when I'm not counting my blessings. Um, you know, uh, trying to stay uh, healthy and safe and uh, semi-sane. I've set the bar far lower than sane um, these days. And, um, uh, you know, just feel incredibly grateful that my, uh, that my, you know, I have, I'm with my wife and our two kids and I, I we, we are very, very lucky um, in this time of great chaos um, to, uh, to have one another. And um, I've, been you know um able to reflect as so many people have been able to reflect um on what um live theater uh has been will be um is during this period of time um and uh and how we can remain connected um uh when we can't um be around one another um so uh so yeah, I think I'm doing okay. How how do you stay creatively nourished or and just sane? Period. How are you keeping? Uh, a lot of it um, has been uh, actually those two uh, short pieces. There, the, this um, 
the 24 hour plays, uh, sort of pulled me in and said, you know, would you write a monologue for one actor, um, who's a pal of yours and then another actor who's a pal of yours. And then would you, would you and, um, Amy Mann and Jonathan Colton write a musical for two other actors who happen to also be pals of ours. And, um, uh, and so those have helped, um, being able to sort of create these, um, smaller dramatic works, um, that, uh, get shared online. Um, but the you know some some uh, of the focus on my desk shifted the same way it shifted on so many people's desks um, to oh okay so we're going to put a pause on all of the things that were um, either scheduled for early next season or you know the, the, until where there's so much uncertainty around live theater right now. Um, there's a sort of an increased focus on, oh, okay, well, what is this smaller um, film idea or series idea that we've been working on? Uh, Like that's sort of moved a little closer to the front burner because, um, because while production on so many things has not begun again, um, how people are watching or will be able to watch those, those works of dramatic art um, that we've seen in abundance during this period of time, as we all um, have watched more Netflix than we never knew, you know, ever knew was possible. Um, So, uh, so yeah, it's been a real, I mean, it's been a, a, I I wouldn't have wished it. I don't wish it on anybody, but it's, um, but it certainly has its um, fascinations. it's a good way to put it. Fascinations. Yeah. Well, I geek out on all the offerings, you know, from Richard Nelson's Apple Play oh, to, yeah, yeah, and all these, it's a really, it's extraordinary, all these different ways people are launching their creativity, which brings me to your lightning moment. What was your lightning strikes moment? Uh, well, it's funny. I was um, uh, thinking, you know, about that very question, um, and uh, mine goes way back, even you know, before the Young Playwrights Festival, because that was the, that was a little bit of a, a culmination of um, several years' work between my lightning strikes moment and that um, that first play that I wrote getting done. Um, my lightning strike moment, to get to my lightning strike moment, uh, basically came in the sixth grade, um, which uh, I'm a, I was a born and raised in New Jersey and uh, Livingston, New Jersey was my hometown, is my hometown. And um, uh, I had the great good fortune. Uh, I lost, lost my mother. My mother died when she was, um, uh, when I was uh, in the second grade, just starting second grade, I was six and she was 32. Um, I brother. Uh, oh, it's, it's thank you. Uh, it is. Um, but my, uh, older brother, um, who's eight and my dad, uh, who was eight at the time, I should say, uh, and my, uh, and my dad and myself sort of banded together. And, um, and, you know, I thought, you know, when you get, when you're dealt a sort of a traumatic event like that 
that young, you know, it's sort of your worldview darkens um, pretty considerably, and uh, and mine certainly did. And um, but then I got lucky uh, in that um, my father went in for a. Um, I always liked m- movies, and I always liked sort of theater um, in a sort of more abstract way, um, and music and. Uh, various arts, but um, but my father went in for a parent-teacher conference, and my sixth-grade teacher told him that I had a flair for the dramatic, and I should maybe explore, see if I wanted to take like acting classes for kids or something. And my father, who worked at Bell Laboratories at the time, um, asked a guy at work, you know, first asked me if that would be something that would be interesting to me, and I said sure. And um, he asked a guy at work who was into Gilbert and Sullivan, if he knew of any kind of anything like that, you know, this is all pre-internet, you know, you couldn't just Google like, you know, acting classes for kids. And, um, and my father's a trained electrical engineer and, and, um, brilliant, wonderful, amazing. He's my hero. He remains my hero. Um, but he, uh, this guy said, oh, well, you know, they actually, I do know they have, Saturday morning classes at a place called the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in the city and wow. for kids where they, you can do theater games and so, you know, and, it, and so maybe, maybe call them up. My dad did. And, um, and we would drive into the city every Saturday and I would take these classes, which were revelatory um, because they were very different from the classes I was taking in the sixth grade. Um, And uh, then after class, we would always go to see a matinee of a generally a Broadway show. We saw a few off Broadway shows, but mostly a Broadway show. Um, And I, and when I say I was lucky, I, I, I really looking back on it, the you know besides the great luck of having a father who you know didn't hear that from my sixth grade teacher and say oh that's you know you think my son has a flair for the dramatic I'll I'll you know I'm going to continue on with my day he took him seriously and and um, and tried to foster that if that was the case and and I wanted um, to pursue it but um, but we it was. The year I was in sixth grade was also the year that, um, and the only year that you could see uh, the two shows were playing on Broadway at the same time that year. Uh, one was called Sweeney Todd, and one was called Evita, and um, both directed by the late great Hal Prince, who um, ended up becoming uh, a mentor, friend, you know, huge person in my life. Um, I miss him every day. Uh, but, um, and uh, one, of course, written by Stephen Sondheim, uh, you know, music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, book by Hugh Wheeler. Um, and I, so while the theater classes were um, made, you know, were, were impactful, this time alone in a dark, large space with my dad, um, watching, you know, as the lights go out and watching um, 
for, you know, it was at the time it was the top ticket price was $20 for each of those shows for a great orchestra seat. <laughs> um, so we ended up going to see, I, I particularly love Sweeney Todd. So I, we went to see that uh, around nine times and we went to see Avita around five times. Um, and um, I think sitting in the dark and I look back and I think, well, I, you know, I, I don't think I, could have fully understood or processed mm-hmm. what was going on in those shows. They're very mature and yes. nuanced shows. Um, but what did seem to get through is that, you know, here in both of these shows, you have these extremely flawed, dark, <laughs> complex leading characters um, who are getting laughs, getting you know, songs and spotlights, they get to wear kind of funky clothes. They, you know, they, they, um, I was aware that this was a job so that, you know, people, you could get paid for doing this. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I particularly remember a few of the darker Sweeney Todd lyrics when those would get laughs, I sort of felt like, Oh, the way I'm viewing the world as a kind of a dark place, it's okay to laugh at that sometimes. It's okay to find humor in that. In fact, finding humor in that is um, is one incredible way of dealing with trauma. And, uh, and if you can then convert that into art, <laughs> um, you can actually help people. Um, as well as entertain, you know, hopefully make them laugh, make them, you know, enjoy this song, that moment, um, you know, and there, there, um, and there's also there's a lot of morality and intellectual, um, you know, curiosity that was also sparked by these these two shows, but seeing them again and again and again. But I thought that whatever this world is, um, I want I, I want to be a part of this. Um, I, I want in on this and, um, and, and remember very, very clearly starting to figure out how can I get in on this? Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, I, um, I tend to make very short answers, very long. So, so, um, but, uh, it's beautifully vivid. It's so fascinating to me because both of those pieces, as beautiful and profound and complex as they are, there's a lot of pain, both of them. And you were, not to psychoanalyze you, you were dealing with a lot of your own pain, I imagine. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Not to presuppose what you were going through, but... um, what what was it about? Can you specifically pinpoint what it was about each piece that was just so mesmerizing, transforming? And oh, and I need to know 
what who who was in the cast? Was it Patty Lupone? Uh, was mm-hmm. it Angela Lansbury and George Hearn or George? Anyway, I saw um, I saw Angela Lansbury. I saw uh, Len Carey. I saw George uh-huh. Hearn. I saw Dorothy Loudon. Um, I saw uh. in, in terms of Sweeney Todd. You know, I saw Victor Garber. Um, and, I mean, I, it was uh, you know I look back on it and it, it I really. Again, you know, uh, use the word lucky a lot. Um, And that's, you know, it really amazes me that I, um, and a a thing I have said is, you know, since I had the great good fortune of um, then both meeting um, and and befriending um, Stephen Sondheim uh, because he started the Young Playwrights Festival. Um, And so, you know, got, you know, many chances then throughout the subsequent years to tell both um, Stephen Howell that, um, you know, thank you guys for giving me my life. And, um, And also you could have told me that, like, I wasn't going to see a show that good for several decades I, that they weren't all going to be <laughs> that good that I was really, you know, sitting getting, the bar. <laughs> yeah. Getting, getting, um, you know, getting a rather legendary show that was also pitched sort of perfectly to, to what I needed emotionally. Um, you know, there's a, um, I mean, there, I, I think, the idea, you know, I was also a, a, a kid who was um, starting to, you know, wonder. I came from a hometown where, you know, football was prized sort of above, you know, <laughs> um, skinny little kids like myself. And uh, and so was, you know, just starting to wonder, oh, is, you know, any, wonder if any, girls will ever take an interest in, in me because I don't see myself playing football anytime ever. And, um, and so the idea that first of all, these were, uh, they're both in their, you know, they're both these dark pieces, but they're both also these very, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of sex, in, you know, yeah. attention in both yes. of the shows and, so even, you know, there was, I think the idea that I was seeing something that was maybe a little bit older than kids in my age were, were seeing, um, was exciting to me. Um, I, that when you say, did I see Patty LaFone? I, it, it, I only realized sort of, it took me a while to, uh, for it to dawn on me, oh my gosh, I think I saw, you know, even though I saw the show five times, I o- I think we only went to see it at night once. And right. so I saw Patty do Evita, but I saw her do it once because she didn't do Saturday matinees. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I saw, you know, I, it, it's, so I, I mean, and I have my signed program. You know, I was that kid who, yeah. You know, my dad would buy me the program or, you know, I'd take that and the playbill and, um, you know, and it was, it's a mark of sort of what a different time it was. He would often say, cause I was like, I'm not leaving until everyone comes out and, you know, 
I can sign, you know, and he would just go, okay, I'm going to go across the way to that coffee shop and I'll, you know, grab a cup of coffee and, um, and, you know, or I can keep sort of, you keep, keep an eye on me, but it wasn't, um, he's, you know, he's like, get all the autographs and then come over there and meet me there. And, um, and I would do that. And so I have these, you know, programs and playbills, um, that, you know, some of which were signed by people who, uh, three years later or three and a half years later, um, I got my equity card doing, uh, I played the artful Dodger and Oliver because for a tiny window of time, I was able to sing as a child. And, um, and two of the, um, cast members were, you know, had been in Sweeney Todd on Broadway. It was, uh, Maggie Task and, um, Calvin Remsburg in, in Pittsburgh. And, um, uh, and I, you know, I was able to go back and say, you signed my program, <laughs> you know, and now we're in the same show like that. You know, I don't know that I, I can ever be sort of more starstruck than, um, than I was at that, at those, at those moments. Was, was Oliver your professional acting debut? It was, it's, I got my equity uh-huh. card. I was 14 years old. Um, and, uh, I was the Pittsburgh civic light opera. Um, I, uh, and, uh, Billy Porter, who is now a friend actually auditioned for it as well. Uh, and so as I often say to him, whenever I see him, Billy, we auditioned for one musical against one another in our lives and they cast me. That's <laughs> insane. That's um, wild. He was a local hire, no, no less. He would have been, but uh, I think he was, just, he was younger. That's quite a role. So you were the art, you were cast as the artful Dodger, your, yes. your professional debut. That was and- it. And you sang, as you say, gosh. I did indeed. I got and, uh, Consider Yourself and uh, I'll Do Anything. Where the, you know, my, my uh, or I'd Do Anything. Gosh, it's been so long. I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably <laughs> forgetting the song's title. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, but, you know, and, and again, it wasn't just uh, Maggie and Calvin from Sweeney Todd, but like uh, Jamin Bartlett was, played Nancy and she had originated the song Miller's son from little night music and Clive Revel was Fagan. Uh, and he had, you know, he had been the original Broadway Fagan uh, 20 years before that. So, you know, I mean, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was very, it was a very heady, um, heady thing for a 14 year old. And how did Hell Prince come into your life? It's so fascinating to me because I talked to Lonnie Price, and he ta- and he oh, loves to share about how Hal Prince was a mentor to him, and I I think it's so incredible how he he nurtured people. He he certainly did in a genuine um, way. The um, I mean, and it's it's also you know it's it's I met Hal. Um, around the Young Playwrights Festival, but I, I really, um, that friendship deepened, um, you know, that's because of my, uh, I went to Stage Door Manor summer camp for four summers, <laughs> and um, one of my dearest friends in the world, um, I call him a foxhole friend, 
uh, my friend Sandy Chaplin, Alexander Chaplin, um, from Stage Door, uh, ended up, he actually came, I started in 82 with what we call our 82 crew, but, um, he came, uh, he came a little, a few summers after that, but, um, I had met Daisy Prince, um, uh, Hal's daughter, um, cause she was in a, a show with, um, a friend of mine from summer camp, uh, and then a future girlfriend of mine was also in that show, but I didn't know it at the time, the same, the way these things work. But, um, but then she ended up being cast in a show directed by her father playing across from someone else who got cast in that show. Who's my friend, Sandy from summer camp. And they fell in love and they got married and I was a groomsman <laughs> in their wedding. And, um, you know, so the, the, so, so basically I, I became, you know, they, they, when they like you, they like you they, and they are, you know, one of the most, one of the warmest, um, most giving families I have ever known. Um, and, uh, and they have become, you know, the, the, that term chosen family, you know, they are unquestionably all part of my chosen family. Um, and, uh, you know, the, um, so I, 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 I really got a theater education that is, um, you know, that I have to pinch myself, uh, still to this day, you know, I'm a, I'm a 51 year old man. Uh, and I still, when I think, um, about, uh, the, the, People I've been privileged to um, to know, work with, be friends with, collaborate with um, over the years, uh, I, I just I, I it exceeds any expectations. Um, that kid in the audience for um, Evita and Sweeney Todd had. How wonderful! And I love the full circleness of this. I didn't say that at the very beginning that isn't it true that um, Women and Wallace starred Josh Hamilton? And he did. yeah, he did, yeah. Yep. And um, and he was just in your gorgeous 24-hour viral monologue that you mm-hmm. wrote. And he's, and he is a, you know, I mean he's I I, mm-hmm. I I think I tend and it may come from, you know, uh, early parental loss, but it's, I, I tend to hold my friends close to me. Um, and, uh, and so Josh, for instance, you know, Josh was a groomsman in, in my wedding and, um, he, you know, is, is one of my nearest and dearest as well. Um, as was Sandy, you know, and it's, um, so, uh, while we met, you know, it's, it's funny to think that this, you know, these two teenagers meeting at an audition at Playwrights Horizons for the Young Playwrights Festival in 1988, um, you know, both of our first um, babies were born, you know, our same doctor, five days apart, same hospital. <laughs> and in the, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where you just, you know, I feel really, really lucky to get... Um, to, to get to be on the same ride um, with a lot of people I, I really um, 
I really love not only as human beings, but I love working with them as well. I read that your father bought you a typewriter and that also helped set in motion. Your that is, yep. That is uh, when I was uh, the only, the only thing that sometimes we, uh, we, we can't quite figure out if it was when I was 12 or when I was 13, but it was, but at one, one of those ages, um, he got me a type, you know, I basically was, uh, starting to, I was, a, I was basically, you know, sort of a precocious and um, probably pretty annoying kid uh, who was saying, you know, oh, what's these scripts? I could write a better script than that, you know, as a 12 or 13 year old. And um, so he, he went to Sears and he got me an electric typewriter with the, you put a cartridge in for the ink. Um, and, uh, and he said, here, go, you know, knock yourself out. If you can write better, you know, look that it'll, it'll even look like, um, you know, real, real type. Um, and, uh, and I think he may have had moments where he regretted that purchase because there were, you know, as he likes to tell it, um, his bedroom and my bedroom at the, in the house I grew up in, um, shared, a wall. And, uh, he said it sounded like it was raining in my room every night. Cause I just, I never stopped typing on it. Um, it was such an extraordinary outlet. Uh, I think I went from the sort of progression was that I went from going, Oh wait, if I act, I can, I can actually play parts where the person has a mother or I can play parts where I'm not the kid who, you know, you know, I can, I can be different from myself and, uh, or I can be very similar to myself, um, depending on how, you know, how I'm cast. And, um, and that when writing came into it, I sort of thought, Oh, wait a second. I, I, I can, I can decide what story is being told, not just be one of the people telling it. Um, and I can, you know, and I, I, I spent, I mean, all of my earliest writing efforts were just these little sketches where um, they were like wish fulfillments where I'd say, you know, it was a character who looked suspiciously like myself and another character who was the girl from summer camp who I had a terrible crush on, you know, but it goes better in the play than it went in real life. Um, and I, you know, said funnier things in the play than I you know, was able to come up with in real life, you know, and, um, and slowly the plays got longer. And I also started realizing, Oh, you know, what's more interesting is, what if I don't say something funnier in the play? What if, oh, what if not every character has to be a thinly veiled version of myself? Um, and uh, and this whole other world of imagination opened up to me. And uh, and I mean, I was, you know, hooked it is, a, is a mild word for what I was. But at that point, you didn't have, I know you were trailing at the American Academy, right? But you didn't have, formal training at that point as a playwright you just started writing and yeah was there a book and in terms of structure and all and act breaks and there there were a few that were around that i sort of remember but not um the the most sort of important books were uh published plays like i Ah. i spent 
an enormous amount of time in the old drama bookshop. Um, oh. And it used to be on, um, uh, before it was even on uh, uh, 40th wow. Street, was, um, it was on 7th Avenue. Yes. And, upstairs, right? Uh, <laughs> upstairs. And, uh, and they would, you know, you could go in there, spend hours and hours and hours, which hours. I did. Um, I would, I would sort of pick out like 30 plays and just sit, you know, find myself a nice little corner and start like sort of reading them, you know, and if it sort of lost my interest, I'd put it down and pick up something else. And, um, and, uh, and then I always left with a handful of plays because, um, my dad had a rule that I have carried on uh, at raising our children, which is um, uh, you could, you know, as long as you read them, uh, you could never take out too many library books or buy too many books in a bookstore. And, um, and so I, you know, saw how plays were formatted and structured um, from reading them and from seeing them, uh, you know, and um, uh I, I actually went, you know, the, the, I started submitting plays to the Young Playwrights Festival, mostly because um, they uh, were, you know, sadly, the, that Young Playwrights Festival no longer exists, but there are now many, many Young Playwrights Festivals sort of all over the world. Um, but uh, at the time, what was incredibly attractive to me about um about the Young Playwrights Festival was that they, no, no matter what you submitted, you would get a written critique back. And, uh, and I thought, you know, to have someone who doesn't know me comment on the, my short play is invaluable. Because if I show it to my friends, they say, oh, that's neat. Oh, is that character supposed to be me? Oh, is that, you know, if I show it to my dad... I love it. You know, it's, um, and I wanted to, I wanted sort of as more objective criticism and, um, and I submitted to them for four years and, uh, I think it was the third year of, of the fourth uh, of those four years, um, where they said, we want to do a stage reading of this play. And, uh, and that was a one act play called Serendipity and Serenity. Um, and, uh, and then the next year was the year I was, uh, it was the last year I was going to be eligible um, because it was for writers 18 and under. And um, uh, so I submitted, I sort of finished and submitted um, with the nudging of um, uh, the late, a great artistic director of the festival, a woman named Nancy Quinn, who was wonderful. And, um, and she'd remind me every once in a while that, you know, if you finish it next year, we, you know, submit it somewhere else. And, um, because you're going to be too old. We don't do plays by, you know, written by 19 year olds. And, um, uh, and so I, finished the play and that play was, um, they, they did a reading of it and then they did a production of it. Um, and that was women and Wallace. And, um, and, 
And that started, I mean, I joined the Dramatist Guild. um, I got an agent. I got, you know... uh, Not just L. Agent, Sam Cohn, right? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Not just L. Agent. Okay. One of my my, uh, great, you know... um, claims I can make is that I, you know, was actually at a table at the Russian tea room with Sam Cohn and saw him eat paper, uh, which he was famous <laughs> for doing. And I think, you know, by the time I was hanging out with him, it, it, you know, he was like, okay, I'll do the paper thing so he can tell everyone he saw it, you know, but it, it was more that. But, um, but yes, indeed. Uh, I mean, you know, I was, I, I, I it's it's sort of it's crazy to think back on uh on that moment um do you remember oh do you remember when you were told that they were going to do women in wallace and let james lapine would be directing oh i yeah I remember it better than I remember, uh, you know, more vividly than I remember some things that happened last week. Um, I, uh, I, I particularly remember it because it was, um, uh, he was committed to doing a, uh, to directing a Shakespeare play. I believe it was Winter's Tale. I'm not positive. Uh, I'd have to look back. Um, for the public. So that was going to conflict with the dates of the Young Pirates Festival. So they asked me, um, they said, listen, you know, um, James Lapine, we think would be a really good fit for, to direct your reading. Um, but if the play gets chosen for, for production, he actually wouldn't be able to do the production. So if that's, you know, if you don't want to um, get sort of have your your reading directed by someone who just who can't direct the production, whether he wants to or not, if if we choose it, um, then we should probably pick somebody else. And uh, I was, you know, I mean, I was a huge fan already of Table Settings and Twelve Dreams and Sunday in the Park with George, and um, and in fact, that was. Uh, I believe, I, I, as in my memory, uh, the Tony nominations for Into the Woods came out um, sort of right around the time of that reading. So I remember, you know, congratulating him sort of sheepishly on the Tony <laughs> nominations. And he was like, oh, yeah, 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 thanks, thanks. thanks. You know, but it was like, the work's more important than that. And, um, but I sort of, you know, again, some of these things I look back on and I go, how did I, how did I know to say that? But I was, I said, you know what? I, I don't care that he can't do the show if we, if the show gets picked. Um, a day spent in a rehearsal room with James the Pine, I'm going to learn a lot from that. And, um, and I did. And it was, um, uh, and Josh actually didn't read Wallace in that reading. It was um, Bobby right. Leonard, Robert Sean Leonard, um, and uh, who again is a dear friend to this day. Um, but uh, but one of the things I remember so distinctly about it is that um, that I, I I tend to um, underline uh, a lot in my for for. Um, 
for rhythm in my scripts and dialogue. And, um, uh, and I remember one of the actors asking, uh, in rehearsal, you know, Oh, these underlying, these are suggestions, right. But like, we can ignore these if we want to, or, or use them if we want to. And I was completely ready to say, Oh yeah, cross them all out, you know, whatever, you know, I'm just so happy to be in the room. And, um, before I could say that, uh, James said, um, you know, I think um, Jonathan has really underlined uh, specific words for, for a reason and um, looks to me like the underlines are in the right place. Um, and uh, so let's try to honor all of them, shall we? And it was like, you know, 18 you know, year old me going like, uh, yeah, what he said. That, that's what I, totally, I I agree. Honor all of them, you know. But it was, um, you know, it was a, it was a great gift to uh, for you know an established artist like himself. He gave me a confidence I did not have. I wouldn't have been able to say that in that room, and so he said it for me, and um, and. Uh, and made me realize that I could say it in the future for myself. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it was, you know, it was an extraordinary, extraordinary, um, you know, pinch me experience. Um, so many, I mean, do, can you share some of the, some of the guidance you received from some of these people or great writing guidance that was given to you or, or guidance about, creativity um because you you've learned from such extraordinary mentors one of the i mean one of the most straightforward that i never forget first of all because he wrote it down and and um is uh is after the festival and in this um wonderful letter because i i sort of tried to play it cool during the festival. And then, you know, when it was done as a sort of wrote a thank you letter to, to Steve and, uh, and he wrote me back this, this just gorgeous letter, but the piece of advice in it that I, you know, is front and center in my mind to this day. As he said, you know, I, I, he said, I heard through the grapevine, you know, which usually has it wrong, but, uh, you know, you've been receiving many offers and, you know, um, uh, so, um, only do, uh, what you want to do when you want to do it. And he said, you know, I know that may sound easy, but it's not, uh, which is why I'm putting it down in writing. <laughs> And, um, and sure enough, when I have strayed from that <laughs> seemingly simple bit of advice, um, I, uh, you know, you, you sort of shake your fists up at the sky and go, he wrote it down. I was a teenager still. It's like, <laughs> remember, it's not hard to remember, but, um, but again, it's one of those things of giving, you know, of, of, um, you know, which I think is so beautiful when, when artists 
can, you know, consider it a part of their job to also be teachers and to give back and to make sure that the next generation of artists is getting taken care of. Um, that was a, a thing, you know, where maybe I would have felt more pressure to do things I didn't want to do. But, um, but I had this letter from Stephen Zonheim who wrote Sweeney Todd, which changed my life in my drawer telling me it was okay to only do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Um, and that gave me, you know, gave me more confidence than uh, I would have had without it. With a mantra to live by. Yes. Yeah. When you think about it, uh, it's making me think of that song, Franklin Shepherding oh. <laughs> from Merrily. Love that oh, song. Right. One yeah. of my two. To, uh, there are stage door friends who can attest that we used to put on the album and I could lip sync it and do all the moves. <laughs> that, that was sort of my jam, that, that particular <laughs> song. So, um, yeah, it's, but, you know, that, there's, there are so many life lessons in that show, you know, and I mean, yeah. in all or, you know, I mean, speaking no. of interludes, I think there's more great parenting advice in that show than any yeah. you know, parenting books. That's true. And where where do your characters come from? Do you and what's your process? Do you marinate, marinate? Do you write an outline first? Do you sit down and it flows? What's your it, process? It, it, Unless it's top secret. No, 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 no. It's far from top secret. It's just annoyingly it changes constantly. It's um I the moment I think, oh great, that's worked twice, you know, it doesn't work a third time. Um I uh so it's sort of like in terms of where characters or ideas or images or themes come from, uh I'll sort of take them wherever I can get them. Um the uh you know, generally it's uh it's been, I, there's been an image or a sentence or, um, uh, a, you know, a sentence being said seemingly by a certain kind of character um, that stays in my mind for longer than other fragments are staying in my mind. And so I start writing down little bits and pieces. I mean, I always, to this day, you know, have... Um, I mean, I have my smartphone in my pocket like everybody else, but I have my uh, old-fashioned Moleskine notebooks and my, you know, I always have a red pen and a black pen um, and write down little scraps of, you know, oh, that's an interesting phrase. That's an interesting image. That's an interesting idea. And um, and as, you know, you, I've tried to rush the process um, and that never seems to work with me. That seems to work wonderfully with some writers. And I, um, and, oh God, I wish I, you know, I wish I could rush mine. Uh, it doesn't, um, I've tried. It's, it doesn't, doesn't work. It, the, the results aren't pretty. Um, and, uh, and, and I think it's just, I'm, I, I, again, only seem to write what I want to, I only seem to write what I want to write when I want to write it. Um, and, uh, and that has, uh, that has always had me with something on my desk from, from, you know, the, the first, from when my dad got me that typewriter till today. So, um, 
So it has it has worked out, but <laughs> in terms of a in terms of a process, I mean, it's the hardest thing. Oftentimes, is just getting you know getting yourself to sit down in the chair and say, look at the you know what used to be the blank piece of paper, what is now the sort of blinking screen, um, and uh, and just you know you just have to start start writing um, and and hope that you know. Uh, a few months down the line, you say, oh, this is starting to resemble something that might have, might make sense to people who are not me. <laughs> and you're a dad now. Right? Indeed. So uh, our son is 13 and our daughter is 10. So we have, we are parents of a, a teen and a queen, as they like to remind us now. Um, and, uh, oh yeah, they, they, um, the, the, I mean, I, have I love uh, bringing them to sets? Um, I think one of the biggest uh, smiles I ever saw on uh, Santa Loquasto's face was where I was acting in the uh, Chekhov play Ivanov at um, Classic Stage Company, and uh, our son came in on a lunch break and he looked around the set, and Santa was off for lunch, and. I said, you know, uh, what do you think of the sets? And he said, you know, he was the little, little kid at the time. He goes, great. I said, oh, do you, well, he's, the designer's not here now. Should I tell him that when he gets back? And he goes, yeah, tell him <laughs> I thought that he did a really good job. This is a great set. And, uh, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll pass that along. He said, stop. He said, hmm. And he said, I have a, a compliment for you. From you know, um, from my son who's four and a half at the time, you know, and is it saying he said what? Is it's, it's yeah. Sam came in on the lunch break with Alexandra, my extraordinary wife, and um, uh, and said he you know to make sure to tell you that your sets are really great. And his face sort of just lit up, you know, because you said it's. I guess it's rare you get compliments on your Chekhovian sets from four and a half year olds, <laughs> especially when the plays Ivanov. It's not even one of those funnier ones. Um, <laughs> He's very intuitive. It's uh, your yeah. son. <laughs> he is indeed. And yeah. do you do you like to put yourself in your plays? Because you're an actor as well. Did you say, I, do you like to uh, cast? I have um in I have I've done it really once I used to do sort of the first readings of a lot of them, um, but uh, but the the only um, the only time it really seemed because I always seemed to know people who I said, well, I could play that part, but so and so can play it a lot, a lot with a lot more skill than I can, and. Uh, and, but I wrote a play called Sophistry uh, that was done in 1993 that had um, four parts in it for um, college-age guys. Um, and I sort of, there was one that we were just having a tricky time casting. And uh, Mickey Martin, who was my college professor at Bennington and who directed four of my plays in their original productions and who I, you know, was a great mentor, great friend. I miss him all the time. Uh, but he, um, he had directed me as an actor um, in college plays at Bennington. So uh, 
the idea of me acting in the play wasn't at all strange or scary to him. Um, and, uh, and it was, it was sort of like, oh, you know, we have, here we have playing the other three parts, you know, there's a part already for Ethan Hawke. There's a part already for Steve Zahn. There's a part already for Anthony Rapp. I guess I will play this fourth part. Um, but, uh, you know, but if it had been a play with only one college age part, I easily would have cast any of those three wonderful guys I just named over myself in a heartbeat. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that, that, that one just sort of fit like a glove and, and, um, and I'm very happy I did it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm not, not always itching to do that. Um, again, it's been a, such a pleasure gabbing. It's such a pleasure and really, truly inspiring when I think yeah. about how your career trajectory and this carpe diem spirit and, uh, there's so much about healing in writing. When I think about the pieces that you did and continue to do to honor your mother, and uh, I just think that's so beautiful. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. That's uh, that's that's lovely. I'd like to think so. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, it's great to talk to you, and have a wonderful weekend. The same to you. The theme song was written by Tom McGovern. This episode was edited by Kyle Moore, and the talent was booked by Anna Strauss. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.